Welcome back to another episode of Deck Hockey Focus. We have uh, come back from our short hiatus there, and we're going to bring you guys an absolutely jam-packed episode. We've got in the studio with us, we've got Freiberger just coming off the uh, tournament over there in Bratislava. We've also got the GOAT himself, Michael Womack, <laughs> phoning us in from New Jersey right now. He's on a little bit of a vacation, having some Christmas there. So we've got them joining us. They're going to tell us about uh, what it's like playing overseas and, and representing the country. So appreciate you joining us, boys. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. So right away, I mean, the whole logistics behind going overseas and just playing in a, a weird area and there's a time change and you got the travel to worry about. So I think the number one thing that I would want to know is what's it like adjusting to a strange environment and, you know, living off, living on the road and, and all that. I mean, is it tough to, to keep your routines? Yeah, I'll start uh, off with like, it was weird while I was over there. I thought more that I was like, it doesn't even feel like I'm this far away from the United States. Like I get like there's different languages around me and it's all different, but it's like, I just don't feel this far away. I guess the biggest thing was probably the time change though. I slept a lot because <laughs> I was messed up, but uh, I mean, you'd wake up a couple hours before the game though, for sure. Just to make sure that you're up and awake and not sluggish. So sure. Well, that was I mean, plan for me. back here in the States, we're watching games at 2 a.m. I'm like, do I go to bed and then wake <laughs> up and watch it? Or do I just stay up until two and then watch it then? <laughs> and uh, but what what about you, Womack? What was it like living on the road? Yeah, I mean it was the same as what Friday said. For me, it was not. It, it didn't seem odd being somewhere else playing. It was nothing different than I mean you can attest to, Fry can attest to playing high school hockey or college hockey, and going on a long road trip, right? Right. So um, being in a hotel with the guys and, and going to play hockey. So the big thing, like Fry said, was it the definitely the time change was terrible. We landed that first day and I think we played 12 hours later and we're seven hours ahead of what we're used to. So it was really weird trying to adjust to when to sleep and when not to sleep. But so we kind of saw you guys get off to a little bit of a slow start. I think that might have factored in oh, yeah. just being in a strange environment yeah. and stuff. But uh, I mean, Walmack, I don't want to put you on a pedestal here, buddy, but you're an American classic now. The goat. I mean, you <laughs> you, you stepped it up and you you carried the team. Did you did you finish first in points there? I know you. Second. I know you were first in points going into the Second. France game where you guys kind of just exploded ran the gauntlet on France. yeah those guys those guys were awesome though we uh, actually got to talk to them a lot after the game and they were really good guys they had uh never had they hadn't they didn't have too much experience with ball hockey they're more roller hockey guys sure but they came in and they were wanted to try something a little bit that they haven't had as much of because they want to play ball hockey they, that's what they want to switch to instead of uh roller hockey they do about half and half now but they were awesome we talked to them after the game they asked a bunch of questions and they were really good guys to talk to nice so Womack, did you yeah, notice we, did you notice anything different with like the uh, style of of play uh, over in Europe versus maybe what we're used to over here? Is there do they set power plays up differently? Is there anything like that? I I don't know if it was much. I think we've seen a lot in the Quad Cities. What we saw there, I think the big difference was just the physicality. I mean, you could throw your almost like you were playing ice. You could throw checks. I mean, it was so. I think that may have helped me a little bit because I feel like. Back home, I tend to get quite a bit of penalties for uh, rough play, I guess you can say, right? So, um, it, and again, I got quite a bit of penalties over there as well, as you guys all noticed. Um, but we're able to <laughs> oh, play a lot more rough and physical. So it just, I don't know if it just catered to more of my play style, which helped. So is that, I mean, outside the physical play, 
how or what was kind of the biggest, not necessarily the time adjustment, but the adjustment to the game? I mean, watching on TV, you had the boards look crazy. Yeah. Creases. Like, oh, yeah. how was that oh, atmosphere yeah. no versus what we were used to or what we would expect to see? What I would say for me is a goalie. I mean, oh, I go, go ahead, Womack. No, I was going to say that Fry should probably speak on this more because I think the biggest changes were probably for goalies. The boards were definitely difficult. They were, I don't know, a lot less responsive than I feel like back home. And there's obviously no fence or no netting. So that kind of made it weird um, and just made it a little more difficult when trying to exit the zone and whatnot. But I think it's going to be more of a conversation for Fryberg to talk about just because for goalies, I think it was the biggest difference maker. So. Right. I was going to say that same thing that for players, it's probably most likely the boards. And uh, even in 2016, when we had the netting, that was really weird too. But at least it stayed in play mm-hmm. most of the time. Like sometimes it would, cut, it would get caught in the netting by the boards, but it would stay in play. We're here. The balls are going out every other play. It was ridiculous. But yeah, as a goalie, it was, I mean, I don't want, I don't like to make excuses. Sure. I still wish I could have played better. But at the same time, when the nets are two feet bigger and you have to take those two extra steps that you don't have the muscle memory of playing, which you do because you always play in the same nets. And yeah. Right. Hockey usually. And then also having no crease and no re I actually ended up taking tape and taping corners at the top of my crease at the start of uh, one of the check games just to see if that would help a little bit. And uh, I didn't do anything. I can't even pay attention. Just like seeing in the, your peripheral vision, the crease under you, that's like enough. But just two little corners, you can't. That's not going to work. Yeah. So but, to clarify there on the nets, I mean, we're used to, we call them baby nets. So yeah. they were playing, were they playing with six by fours? Yep. Six by four ice nets. And mm-hmm. one of them was probably less than six by four actually, because it was bent in the crossbar. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, if you look yeah. at, if you look at the footage, it's like slanting down, like it's like a corner. It's like, I don't know. It's like, a, yeah, it's a point down in the net because the crossbar is broken. It's like, it was like a $20 Walmart Bauer net. Yeah. And the, the weird thing is they had they had two nets out in the hallway, like the entrance of the arena, and brand they were new. brand new, per, like perfect ice nets. And they don't play ice hockey at this arena. This is a basketball arena, and they were they're brand new ice nets all week. They're painting the posts, and then the last day we show up for the gold medal game, and the netting's all on and everything. Still never used them <laughs> ever what in the world. <laughs> like what were you doing? That's bizarre, but I had noticed that there seemed to be a lot of long clappers that went in, which I feel like yep. we see that a little bit uh, three on three back home, even with the smaller nets. But it just seemed like exponential yeah. compared to what I'm used to, and I think you know where I think our style of play is a lot more like tic tac pass back door one timers because you don't have a lot of net to shoot at, so you got to really open it up. And then I started seeing these guys raining from the center line and, and connecting from, you know, even beyond the center line. And I was just like, at first I thought it was the goalies were playing terrible. And then I realized the nets were monster. Yeah. So how did that, I don't want to say style of play, but I mean, obviously, and I don't want to call it a hindrance, but you're coming into a brand new situation, six by four nets, bigger nets, no creases, hard to get your orientation. And then that style of play that Mach was saying is more passing oriented goes to bombs how was there an adjustment or how did that impact not only, you know, fry from a goalie standpoint, but the team in or did Nick adjust the strategy at all as a coach? Nick didn't really adjust the strategy. I would say, would you say that Womack? I mean, he was still kind of, yeah, we still kind of kept to the same, try to get it in the zone and pass it around things. Maybe we passed around a little bit too much, uh, but I mean, it goes, goes back. It all goes back to what I said before 
uh, the tournament in the interview that I had with mm-hmm. you guys. Everybody up there could shoot. Everybody yeah. up there has a bomb just yep. like Pat or Nick. So, yeah. I mean, you're going to see they, they know they can shoot, so they're going to shoot from everywhere. We're here. Everybody, not everybody has a shot, even in the national tournament. Not everybody has a shot. Yeah. But no, I think that's right. That's like a big shot. But up there, they all shoot like Obi. They all shoot like Pat. They all shoot like Nick. It's, so it's more opportunity based. Yep. That's all. They know they're good. They know they can shoot well. And then take the bigger out. nets. I don't know if they usually play with the bigger nets over there. Sure. One. I thought it was four by four, and I thought I'd seen four by four when they were over there last time. Mm-hmm. But they know they all know they can score. Yeah. So it's not necessarily a style of play, but more just opportunistic. Right. I have an open yep, shot. That's what I was it. gonna say. I was gonna say that it's more. I don't think you know if you watch all the Canada games. I don't think their type of style when they play in Canada is to rip bombs from the top all the time. I think it's it's pass, it's make plays, make the goalie move. Because I think they play on smaller nets for sure in Canada, right? So they seize the opportunity to all these huge nets, and no goalies aren't used to it. And they all, I don't think we have one guy in the quad cities that can shoot harder than anyone on that Canadian team, honestly. Um, and they just you give them you know two feet of space, they're like, well screw it, I'm going to rip one, and these nets are huge, so I can still kind of miss my normal net back home, and I'm still going to score. Yeah. So. Interesting. <clears throat> That's wild stuff. So is that the same size nets that they played with when you guys were uh, in when, Montreal? In Montreal. Nope. They had 4 by 4s in nope, Montreal. Nope, we played them. Yep. You need a little standardization in the <laughs> in the ball hockey community here, boys. I you think need so. to get on the same page. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, one more uh, point I wanted to bring up about the whole style of uh, – the play up there. What Womack said about Canada kind of being the kind of the same way we play a little bit, pass it around. I would say that especially having Pat and Nick kind of running systems and Marty, they obviously have the influence from Canada with the pass around stuff. But I feel like we play an uber yep. physical passing game is what I would say. Like we play like Canada, but we play physical. We don't just pass it around and try to get away from everything. Like we will go through we'll, you. We'll go through you. That yeah. style. And we'll, so we'll let you know we're there. Bo- like boxing out kind of. You know, you got to get through me, sort of. Right, especially when we got Womack, the goalie killer on our team. <laughs> hey, yeah, Womack, you didn't kill any goalies. That was good. Oh, that's it. Yeah, I avoided the goalies this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, not to create a little controversy here, but Sean just pulled up a interesting little stat from the WBHF uh, website on the goals. And topic two, goals will be smaller. We will use the size of Alex Burrows tour, which is five by four instead of regular six by fours. That's so. literally printed on their website. We're reading it right now. <laughs> so like no I said, comments. not going to create controversy, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, maybe ties into the planning. I don't know. Or to quote an American, fake news. <laughs> yes. <laughs> fake news. But speaking of being American, explain to me what happened with the mustaches. <laughs> As the most American thing that I saw that entire tournament, tell me about the mustaches. Well, Mac, this is all you because we all know I yeah, can't grow I'm- a muzzy. <laughs> I tried. T- <laughs> I tried remembering earlier. I can't remember exactly who started the idea. I think it was Somebody, Charlie. It might have been Harris. It was. Oh, it was Chris. Harris was the first Chris. one. He was the first one that just did it, and he showed up to dinner one night with a mustache. And of course, Nick, Nick, and Pat just thought it was the most funny thing in the entire world, right? So um, they decided they were going to do it. And then it just kind of followed suit. They did it, and then Swisher decided to do it. And then anyone who could grow a mustache or had a beard going, I think was like, you know what, we're just going to do it. I even did it. I sent a Snapchat out, and it looked terrible. <laughs> I didn't send it to my wife because I knew she'd want to kill me when I got home. So um, I did it for one night. Just couldn't do it, so I shaved it. But everyone kept it for the entire trip, I think, until they got home and wives made them shave, I think. Yeah. So 
That was a good look. Um, Getting, but yeah, shaving in the funny. airport uh, bathroom before they got home, not to have the conversation. Well, maybe we got a new <laughs> exactly. tradition, man. You got the playoff beard, and you got the uh, world championship mustache. But, <laughs> but circling back real quick, and we know we just talked about you know quote unquote controversy with the Nets. Can we talk about Freiburger? Your comment about more being physical on the passing game and letting people know you're there. And what happened with the major? So I'll frame it from what we saw stateside. Yeah. And if you guys don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about Pat's major. Um, still not sure what it is. So what we saw on camera here was it was just typical play. You know, they're bodying up. You know, they're in the boards. They're coming off. Um, who were they playing? Was it Czech? Czech. Yeah. The um, the Czechs came out with First the game. the Czechs came out with the ball. And then everybody's just resetting, readjusting. And, you know, there's a few stick checks going on between Patty and whatever this guy's name is. Yeah, they're battling. Yeah, nothing dirty, nothing out of the ordinary. You'd expect to see it. And then just out of frame is the check player. And you see Pat, my opinion, it just looked like a stick check. Like, hey, where are you? You know, into the yeah, shins. tapping him to make sure he's not going for a run. Yeah. And then all hell broke loose. Yeah. So what actually happened? Because we here didn't see it. Well, he fell like he got hit in the pills about as hard <laughs> as anybody ever and it sure didn't look like it yeah the thing like it, i had the same view both in the game and watching the video just because i was looking at the ball and then i see a guy going down and then you look at the video but you see pat stick and it like just like the tip half of it goes off of frame but you can tell it's like yeah like you said it's like a tap like are you there like mm -hmm. it's not it's like a nothing or even just like a didn't get a stick in the way yeah. or something like that. Um, but, I mean, it wasn't anything. I, I, I don't think. Obviously, I can't see it. But I just – I think the dude overreacted that whole Czech team, like, and not to start anything. Call it. But, yeah, but it's just like they, they, they seemed to go down pretty easily, and they were definitely looking for calls that game. Yeah. Well, Mac, what did you say? Yeah, so – I just have a couple points to make about it. I had just gotten off the deck, so honestly, I think my head was down. I was drinking water. I didn't see it at all. I first woke up, and I saw Pat's hands up in the air like he was complaining. Um, so I didn't know what happened, and they kicked him out. Only point I have is, I mean, the ball hockey president or whoever's running the tournament let Pat come back and play. So yeah. obviously nothing happened. And I would say that Pat and Nick or any of them are the first to make If they do something dumb, I think they'll admit it. And yeah. Pat, after Pat, the fact, he was explaining it. He was super passionate about, or you know, convicted of when he was saying, like, "I didn't do anything." Um, so sometimes it's hard to believe what Pat says, right? But I definitely believed him when he said he didn't do anything, and yeah, I wish I would have seen it well, to be able to. And then the tournament that, director but. comes back and you know kind of reverses the call. So I mean, good on yeah. You can't do, you can't really influence or change what you know the refs are going to do or call in the game, but you know, call it justice after the fact that or reconciliation. Right. Yep. So uh, that was good to see. But so I was curious of all the teams that you guys played. I know you guys had a lot of good success against France, but who who was the the toughest team to play? I mean, who was your pick early on to to go all the way? Was it Canada? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I would. I would have to say Canada um, with a close. I I thought I would see uh, Slovakia. I thought Slovakia was my early pick. Just as yeah. they were brutes, they were huge. Yeah, it was ridiculous. They're, those are some of the biggest guys I've no, ever I seen. I don't think they had a guy below six three. Well, still no. Just the, the are you th are you thinking Czech or Slovakia? Because the Czech, the, 
Yeah, the Czech guys had skinny, small guys, where Slovakia was some bears. Yeah, when we were watching, I mean, my first thought was the Czech, or not the Czech team, sorry, the Slovakian team was the best team coming into the round robin. Right. From the games I saw, they were one huge. I think their downfall was their goalie couldn't play a full because he just he wasn't in shape to do it. Uh, yeah, he was. You could tell getting through the second period, especially playing Canada, like he was dead. Like he could not move hardly anymore. They found. I think that's a common occurrence or common thing you saw across the tournament was goalies getting tired. Honestly, outside of Fry and Gillian, because a lot of those guys are used to five on five. So they face twelve shots a game, not. 55 shots a game. 12 yeah. shots in a sequence. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then the constant up, down, left, right, and moving. So. And balls at oh, curb. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. But um, so, we no, I know we talked a little bit about some of the physicality and, you know, obviously the controversy with Pat. But when it comes to the officials, there was probably a language barrier, I assume. So, like, half the time, Womack's oh, getting called for a penalty. Do you know what you're? they're even calling you for? You can't really argue with somebody you don't speak the same language as. Well, there was a couple French-Canadian refs up there, too. So, there was there was a couple guys that spoke English, but mostly it was, yeah, Czech, Slovakian guys. Uh, and, I mean, obviously, I don't talk to the refs hardly ever. But, yeah. I mean, they knew from what I heard they – it was very simple language, but Womack could probably say more. I don't know how much he talks about more, more time in the box. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it. I was in the box enough to know, but I think the only reason you knew what you got is because the the hand motion right or the penalty call. But if you tried asking a question about what you did, they kind of just looked at you with a blank face and shook their head or like gave you a thumbs up or something like they acted like they knew what you were talking about, but you kind of had to. You had to walk away. You couldn't yell. I'm like, you can yell at Travis in the quad cities. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag my mascot. <laughs> oh, gosh. Bring back Travis. Rest in peace. Oh, God, I like that. So, I mean, overall, I mean, we can't skip over the performance in the seventh place finish, right? right? We have to talk about it. I don't think that's the main thing to focus on. But we were leading all those conversations up to that point. So in your guys' thoughts, opinions, like what happened? I would say that when we were on, our defense was very good. I think we had a very good defensive team. I think the downfall for us was definitely we just couldn't put enough goals in the net. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we we had guys show up when they needed to, like Womack showed up and really showed himself that he proved it or that he deserved to be there. Uh, Pat started slow but ended up rolling, and then. Uh, so me and Marty, uh, we tried, we did what we could, but obviously, uh, I, I believe I could have played a little bit better. I mean, everybody always has their nitpicks and everything, and for mm-hmm. me, I just, I'm a, I'm a confident guy, and I want to be able to be doing a lot better than what we did and put my team in a better position, say for a couple games there. Uh, but I, I, other than that, I think we had a good team. I just think we didn't have the scoring touch like we did in 2016, missing sure. Scully and Corey Wilson and Nick. So. Uh, that, that really, I think that hurt the team, but we still had a great group of guys. Absolutely. Well, Mac, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'm along the same line as Freiberger. I think we went over there with higher expectations of what happened. Obviously, I think everyone had higher expectations for us. Um, but we just didn't perform when we needed to. We, I'm not going to sit here and say anyone played bad. We went over with a lot of guys that um, haven't been in these type of tournaments before, right? So they weren't expecting the type of play that was going to happen. Um, I'm not calling anyone out from our team at all. Um, but it just, you know, a lot of us were used to 
Quad Cities, Springfield, Waterloo, or we can, we're the best there, right? And we sure. can go out there and just rip shots from anywhere. We can run past everybody. And when we get there, like it's a, it's a culture shot, it's a shell shock. I mean, you walk in, everyone is just the best player in your league. They're probably better than that person on all these teams. So we just, it was a learning experience for a lot of us. And, um, hopefully the next two years from now, we get a lot of those guys back that we were missing, like the Knicks and the, you know, Scullies and we'll see. And then some of the younger kids coming up that are 17, 18, 19 years old that are going to be sick and, you know, make us 30 year old look terrible in two years, probably. So. <laughs> Um, Sorry, so we'll see, but it was, yeah, right. I mean, I'm old, so, um, I can't keep up with 17, 18 year olds anymore, but it was, and in the end of the day, it was fun. It was a lot of people got to prove that, you know, that were maybe on that bubble of not going that they definitely deserve to be there and should definitely be considered in two years or for summer tournament teams or whatever. So, well, I think it's, it important, to me, it's important to mention too, that if that same tournament happens in Canada or it happens in the States where, you know, you don't have to fly overseas. It's a lot easier for us to get local guys there. You know, I mean, financially yep. it's easier time wise. You're taking up less of your time and just logistically it's easier for probably it would aid Canada as well. But, but I think the U S team would have a lot easier time recruiting yeah. if it was geographically more. Exactly. But so what I want to ask I you agree. is, well, Matt can't vote for yourself. Who gets the MVP Team USA for the whole tournament? The whole tournament, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, um, honestly, for me, I think I'm gonna give it to my line mate. Honestly, I'm gonna give it to Mankey. I think him and I Good pick. came in. We both we both came in thinking, okay, we're third liners. We probably would have been fourth liners if everyone could come, and we got the opportunity to step up and prove our worth and i think him and i i mean even ladato on the line we all had you know took us a game or two but we got this connection and i mean who would have expected me or Mankey to really put up more than a point let alone 10 plus right sure. so or whatever it ended up being so i i think i'd give it to him nice fry what are your thoughts i like that pick i all like right. that pick a lot he really worked hard he came in uh kind of as uh like he, a bubble guy Mm-hmm. And uh, he really proved himself this weekend, or this not this weekend, this past <laughs> tournament. He really proved himself, Same and uh, and that he can be on the team for years to come, and he could be a staple of this uh, brand that we're trying to develop with Team USA Deck. Yeah, no, and I I think that's a good point of not not necessarily you know Tyler Manicky, what like you said a quote unquote bubble player, but a defensive minded player is kind right. of how I would look at that. Exactly. So moving forward. And kind of looking, you know, at 2020, what what are the biggest takeaways, lessons, and lessons learned from this tournament, and what does Team USA need to focus on to kind of get to that next level? I think first we need to focus on our junior tournament here, yeah, uh, coming up next year because a lot of those guys that are going to be playing in that U19, U17 tournament, yeah. they're going to be prime, prime and ready to go in 2020. Which, if you guys don't know yes. about that, it's in July, Montreal, the. Uh, same type of tournament these guys were just in, but on the junior side. U17 and U19. Yep. And we're bringing a squad for that, correct? Or Both. at least US. Mm-hmm. We're bringing a US squad for U17 and U19. Yep. There's yep. going to be a lot going on over uh, kind of the spring months about getting camp set up and the scouting from, you know, all over the like East Coast, you know, Philly's in, Pittsburgh's in, Boston. They're all kind of yep. regrouping. And then it's going to be this massive collaboration of let's put together Team USA. You grow the game day. 
Absolutely. Right. You heard it here. Yeah. So Womack, we'll get you that yeah, fake I, I, that fake ID. <laughs> six, <laughs> you're 16 now. Seriously, How's it going? Yeah. yeah. No, I, I with what Fry said on that tournament, I think that's going to be huge because, again, I don't like calling anyone out, but we're pretty, after going to this tournament overseas, we're pretty soft in the quad cities, I think, with <laughs> – we call everything right. I mean, little bumps in the corner or penalties yeah. a lot, depending on who. I guess if I'm refing, I don't call anything, but yeah. um, we're we're soft in the quad city. So it'll be interesting if we have any QC guys go or Waterloo go to that U17 or U19. It'll be interesting to see when the physicality picks up, how physical could they can be or if they shy away. Because we're, if we're looking to potentially scout for 2020, right, or yep. 20, whatever, um, for the next tournament we can't even if they're sick got sick hands well it's not gonna work it I doesn't mean, matter right? if you so can't go through me it'll be just right. interesting yeah it'll be interesting to see um who steps up and who is willing to be rough and rowdy i guess you could say in the corners so we'll get some recruiting going there yes. talk to gabby <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> well is it fair to say then that one of the key takeaways is that one we need to or lessons learned is like can't be so centrally focused it's got to be a team usa like we have to expand yeah and we have to bring in well mm-hmm. like Corey wilson and um maddie Caron and whoever i'm forgetting a name um, bobby hauser bobby yeah, hauser yeah. from out in boston that were in montreal that couldn't make this trip right. like that actual yeah. national reach is a huge influencer but also like Corey hirsch out in pittsburgh and his grow the game this youth movement mm-hmm. and team usa is awesome uh going up to montreal like and then developing those players for these tournaments. Well, is that too, fair? Is North yep. uh, uh, NHL Network is getting on board too and really trying to help ball hockey expand. And I mean, from their benefit, I mean, it benefits them too because yeah. it's all a hockey community, whether it's balls or pucks or fives or threes or anything like that. I mean, it's just summer. It's You can look at it as, at it as simple as summer, winter. You play ice during the winter and you play deck during the summer. Absolutely. It's a year round thing and it's, it's two different sports. It's not like, like USA Hockey preaches now to have kids play different sports well deck hockey and ice hockey are, are different things very yeah. different well, I, I strapped the skates back on for the first time in like three or four years and i'm terrible now <laughs> just terrible i was bad yeah. before now i'm a joke on the ice just running on your skates now <laughs> oh i have no idea what i'm doing catching an edge every five minutes can't handle the puck at all it feels like a brick well, i'm a mess i yeah i don't even know if i know the time i skates anymore honestly so do they use the same balls over in Bratislava that we use here? Those yeah. uh, yep. G, the power yep. ones. Yep, and they got yep. scattered all around that rink. They're probably still <laughs> in the cracks and crevices of this rink, like because they would just go flying. I don't know how they kept all these balls. Like they had just boxes of them coming in every single day. Nice. So who did uh, who did everybody room with? What what was the arrangements there? Did they pair you guys up by lines or how did that work? No, they kind of nope. they, they went with kind of like the young guys in one room. I guess you actually I don't know if you call us young guys because we had Ladado was like twenty five I think. Well, I don't and think then, anybody's gonna argue that Perry and Marty are young guys. <laughs> yeah, we, we, sorry yeah, boys, for, I love you, but you're freaking old. Everybody started calling the masters at the end of the, <laughs> at the, end of the yeah tournament. yeah. Oh, like, I called Perry dad the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> But it was it was uh, me, Charlie, and Ladato in one room, and then uh, Womack. I can't remember it, your room. It was me, Swisher, and Perry, and okay. then it was like the Waterloo and Springfield guys. Um, and, and then, then Pat, I Pat, Nick, and Marty. Marty and Pat. Yeah, <laughs> you can imagine that. Room. You can that's imagine a rough, that room. That's man. a rough <laughs> room. So that was going to be my next question: <laughs> is uh, keeping in mind that we're trying to stay family friendly. 
any off ice antics, any cool stories? Like what's, uh, what's everybody talking about? Yeah. We want to talk oh, about the God. experience of Bratislava and that's the right, tournament. Boys. Now, I how never, was it? I've never been overseas. So I guess we can, we can say the, uh, nightlife was yeah, fun. It was great. I don't know how deep we should go into what happened in the nightlife. If you want to be family friendly or friendly yeah, to we our, get away from that real quick. uh, wives and girlfriends. So that's just, well, there's a lot of guys stick it to the, the nightlife was great, but, yeah. yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, for me, I'll just say myself, like, yeah, it was, there was plenty, like, you had a uh, city square, or what was it, Old Town? Yeah, Old Town and Bratislava, and it was basically just walking room only, just, it's like basically a little city, but it's all walking brick streets, and you have club after club after bar after restaurant, and it was ridiculous down there. Like, they had everything down there. They had lights going. They had the really tall, like, old cathedrals and everything. That's pretty sweet. And then the best thing about... Down there, though, is they had these little pizza stands. How'd you think about those, Womack? Oh, my God. So they got these. That saved us probably every night, honestly. Oh, so they have these. So literally, it's like drive through like little windows, but but you walk past it. And they just have fat pizzas everywhere. They have fat pizzas everywhere around the uh, store. And then they also have this, uh, this like, it looks like gyro meat, but it's chicken. They call it kebab, and they wrap it in a wrap. But anyway, like these pizzas, they were as big as your head, and they gave you two for what was it a buck eighty, Womack? Yeah, they knew we were American. We started ordering all the food in there. Much fat American. <laughs> we went getting every four single pizza night. pizza person. It'd be like two in the morning. <laughs> we're eating pizza at a yeah. window. Yeah, they, <laughs> it was cool too. Being, I mean. It, they don't care what night of the week it is. There's no night they don't party. Oh, yeah. It can be Monday night. They all get off work at 4 or 5 o'clock, and they're at the bar till 3 a.m., and they're going back to work Tuesday. They all hack so, like chimneys. They smoke. Yeah. Oh, my so, God. Oh, I think Perry put Everybody. something on Facebook. He's like, everybody smokes here, even the kids. Like, literally. Like, we'd yep. be... We'd, I, like, I'd see, like, a 14-year-old girl or something. Like, it looks like it walked by. I'm like, is she smoking right now? <laughs> If you yeah. hear that, you know, Marlboro still alive and well in Eastern Europe. Yeah. <laughs> in the industry alive. But so, Womack, literally the only reason I wanted you on the podcast is just because we need to know about the Cat Cafe. We've hyped it for so long. Yeah. Everybody wants to know about that. That was actually my question I, well, I, I was he, going to ask. He checking you're out. all going to be disappointed because we didn't go. Womack. So, um, yeah. It, they don't so allow goats in the Cat Cafe. Into it. <laughs> yeah, Kurt from... Kurt from Waterloo looked into where it was because we were, I think him and I were maybe going to go or Stu were going to go. And it was in a not so good spot of Slovakia, like a spot where he said locals told him don't go down that road. Hmm. So unfortunately, I, I didn't get to go yeah, see the cats. So, so it's not a lot of domesticated kind of cats in the cafe. It's just a bunch of strays <laughs> that hang out because they get fed <laughs> once a day. <laughs> yeah, probably. It's just overrun yeah, with cats. Them. So they're like, well, we'll just put it on <laughs> yeah. the sign. <laughs> diseased cats or something probably so so what was the best point of the entire trip Womack the best part of the entire trip yeah and just the overall experience I mean I know it's probably cliche to say right but I mean just hanging out with all the guys and and playing it really brought back memories of college hockey and going on trips and it helps that we were in Europe and got to see some things that I'm never going to probably see again. I can't honestly say I'm going to go back to Slovakia ever again in my life. So it's cool to say I've been there because I don't know if I know one person other than us 12 that have ever went there or will go there. Um, so it's cool to have memories of that. And then obviously selfishly playing as well as I did kind of helps. Right. So 
Um, Greatest of all time. It's good to always know that. Yeah, yeah. It's good, you know, in a year or two from now when I'm 31, 32 years old, if I can barely hobble down the deck anymore, you know, these 18 year old kids are 10 times better than me. At least I have 2018 that I can say I was awesome at deck hockey for three days. (laughs) Dude, you showed up. Yeah, it, that's not a small accomplishment. <laughs> Seriously, like our team needed somebody to to carry the banner there a little bit, and you stepped up huge. So, what well, is the holiday season? So I can just see Womack in like a couple years with his you know little kid sitting by the fire on his on his knee talking, you know, telling <laughs> stories about Radislava back in my day. <laughs> oh gosh, good stuff. So yeah. Fr- Freiburger, what was the best point of the entire trip? Other than the physical trainers, I know that you had some. Uh, muscle issues that you had to take care of but other than that i, I would say that. kind of the same thing is uh the games uh, i think it, the games regardless of how they went it's always fun to go play deck hockey at a higher level especially with the group of guys that we had it was fun playing with and for all those guys and uh i just was called like i said it was a fun time and uh, i'm just getting more excited for the next time we all get to play together no matter where it is because i'm not scared like womack and i'll go back to slovakia <laughs> oh <laughs> Well, have they announced 2020? No, not yet. I don't know where it's going to be. No, they haven't. It's, I think it's going to be somewhere. I think there, rumors, they wanted, go ahead. there was like rumors going around of where it was going to be. I um, is it Azerbaijan? There's, there's two. Yeah, they're, the one they posted on Facebook. It was Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan. Yeah. There was that, and then there's also Azerbaijan. talks of Russia. Yeah, I, I, heard, I, heard, yeah. I heard Russia being my front runner for that. So and we're trying yeah, not so to go, I. but I mean, we're trying to get it moved, but. I think something's in the move for somewhere around here soon. Yep. I've also heard that. But and yep. not to kind of divulge into more information than we probably should talk about. Not um, to make anything up, you know. Yeah. Right. And uh, honestly, I don't know a whole lot other than what Fry just said. It's like that would be really cool if it was here in 2020. Baddendorf 2020. <laughs> I wouldn't say it wouldn't be 2020. Yeah, no. It would be more like 2022. It'd be 2022. It'd be 2022. But I I think with yeah. I mean, there's a lot of coming back to North America with, you know, the juniors in right. Montreal. And I think, uh, is the Masters going back to Montreal next year, too? Uh, I think Masters, uh, but for five on five. Yeah. I think they're splitting five out on five, five yeah. on five yeah. men's and Masters this mm-hmm. year into two different tournaments. Yep. Well, that makes me not stay up until two o'clock in the morning. So there I support that. Yeah, I like that much better. But, boys, <laughs> super appreciate you guys coming on. Uh, I mean, you've certainly represented the country as well as you can. Womack, you're now a national hero. I assume that you don't ever have to pay for <laughs> drinks anymore. Um, but yeah, I shouldn't have to, honestly. Dude, you're the goat. Um, but, yeah, I think that wraps it up for a pretty darn good episode. Shackleford, did we learn anything at all? Well, I think there's a little bit more to talk about here, not yeah. to cut you off. But Go for it, buddy. Yeah, I mean, we're we're coming at the end of tail end of 2018 here. Uh, I think this we're going to call it a transition year for DHF yeah. from what you saw previously. And honestly, we are constantly working behind the scenes to project into 2019. And our travel schedule for 2019, I'll be honest, is booking up. I mean, we've got Pittsburgh. We're talking about Montreal for the juniors. We've got the North Americans coming up. So our focus coming into 2019 isn't going to be so singular to the Quad Cities. We are expanding. We're growing, and we want to be, and we are going to be, a function of the growth of the game. Three on three, five on five, pick a location. That's going to be our focus for next year. So we just want to kind of give everybody a heads up. Let us know what you guys think about that, what you want to talk about. But moving forward, we are going to have a high-level focus about what we can do for everybody involved in this game and then help it in a massive, massive growth effort. We just want to focus on the best hockey that we can get to you guys, no matter where it's located. So absolutely. So 
with that big things 2019 absolutely it's gonna be a banger year yeah but anyway boys appreciate you coming on the show here uh womack i I appreciate you taking a time away from the family i know you're on the road and everything and and uh thanks for stopping in in the studio i know that freiberger likes hanging out with us maybe more than he should we're not (laughs) the best influences but uh we're proud of you boys and i think there's going to be a lot of good things to come 